Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Happy New Year, Ken. Happy New Year, Rob. Any resolutions? Oh, to be more generous, you. Same. Ooh. I wonder if any of our listeners wish to be more generous, too. Well, listeners, if generosity is on your resolution list, head on over to Patreon.com. Yep, that's right. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And search for Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And then you can set up a monthly donation. Even a dollar a month helps us. Your contributions help us continuing what we are doing. So thank you. Thank you. And if your resolution is to get rid of all your fatty foods and start a healthy diet, please mail me all your fatty foods, courtesy of the UPS store on Amsterdam Avenue. Oh God, stop that, Rob. May this year be your favorite year. Thanks, Benji Stone. <laughs> So lovely, Kevin. My favorite year. Like no other year of my life. My favorite year. Oh, we're closing. Bye. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's living legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's living legends. And follow us on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast. Plus, you can always listen to our podcasts on Broadway World and Stitcher. While most audiences around the world know her as Alice Hyatt, the waitress with survival instincts as strong as her sense of humor, today's guest has long been one of the theater's most beloved artists. Starting with a career that took her through the tiniest of cabaret and review spaces in New York City, all the way to the Great White Way, today's guest has appeared in such plays and musicals as Family Affair, Candor's first musical on Broadway, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman, The Mad Show, Last of the Red Hot Lovers, Broadway Bound, Gypsy, The Tale of the Allergist's Wife, and so many others. Today's interview is only the first part of our interview with this Tony Award-winning legend, and in it she will discuss what it was like working with such legends as Mike Nichols, Neil Simon, Hal Prince, Olympia Dukakis, and so many others here. Joining us on the phone from her home in sunny California is the new girl in town, Linda Lavin. So my first question for you is, growing up in Maine, how did you discover the joys of theater? Well, Maine isn't Alaska. (laughs) Great. It's only Maine, and it's still two hours from Boston. My mother was an opera singer with a brief but dazzling career in New York City. She sang with... On the radio with Paul Whiteman and oh. George Gershwin and Oscar Levant and Reza Stevens. We have recordings of my mother doing trio work with oh. Reza Stevens and 
Um, so as I say, it was a brief but dazzling career in New York until she gave it up and moved back to Portland, which is where my mother was born. Mm. Uh, but she was a highly sophisticated and talented uh, lyric coloratura soprano. So I grew up with music and um, and and a lot of um, the love and passion for the theater. So it was a, it was just an easy music was my first language and. And theater was something I was always involved in from the time I was a little girl. I was performing for anybody who would listen. And then when I started going to school, theater was wherever there was was a theater program or community theater or the Jewish community center uh-huh. plays and school and, and elsewhere. Um, it, it was always a, a, a something I wanted to do. I loved performing and I looked for the outlets for it. And I was encouraged, and it was part of our, our, our cultural family life. Did you think that you always wanted to make this your profession, or growing up was it more of a hobby, and there was going to be another job down the line for you? I, I, did, I don't think that I thought of profession when I was a child. It's just something I wanted to do all the time, so mm. that's probably the beginning of a profession, yes. Yeah. <laughs> were, were you a big movie buff growing up? Yes, uh, I wasn't a buff, but I was a movie goer. And when I was when I was young and very little, it was it was movie musicals that were always, um, you know, the dazzling, uh, uh, encouraging, uh, inspirational uh, 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 experiences for me. Yeah. Um, uh, so movies were available. They were in. They were. They were always just down the street, and they they cost you know two bottle caps, and you could go to the movies every Saturday, and you could see a lot of movies all day long. You could see shorts and comedies and and musicals, and mm-hmm. you know Rita Hayworth and and um, and Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, Judy Garland. I mean, those were the those are the the pictures that I still hold very dear in terms of well, when I, when I see them show up on, on Turner classic uh, and I feel like they're, you know, old friends because yeah, yeah. they really colored my childhood in a very vibrant way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to go to the college of William and Mary? Uh, I was uh, traveling around the country looking for schools My sister, I have an older sister who had gone to Skidmore, and she felt very strongly that I I would I should go to a co-ed school, that I uh, shouldn't uh, just go just find an all-girls school to go to since her experience was uh, was something that she felt should be it should expand for me. So we started looking at at uh, at colleges in the area, in the Boston area, which Boston was my big city growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you talk about how I got involved in theater, we, we went to Boston at least once a month to see all the uh, uh, Broadway tryouts that were always done in the beautiful theaters in Boston. Do you- and uh, and Boston was my big city. Um, so I thought about going to school at, at BU or uh, a school that had a theater program. Um 
but I didn't get into BU. I had an awful interview with uh, the man who was the head of the department, who oh. was just, a, just a, I'm not going to mention his name, but he was really very rude and he didn't, and not at all welcoming. Oh. So I realized I needed to go to look elsewhere. We, we, you know, in those days you applied to a bunch of colleges and you waited just as you do now. But uh, I have a family friend who came from Virginia, and she suggested that I that I leave when I leave home. I really leave home and and get out of the area, and that I try a new part of the country. So my mother and I took a trip to Williamsburg, and and um, and there and there it was this ivy colored covered cottage, a college, not a cottage, but a college. That <laughs> what uh, it was like a cottage. It was. It was, uh, you know, like it was like a school in the movies, in the Elizabeth Taylor movies. <laughs> it was just charming and small, and yeah. everybody said hi, and <laughs> it was um, it was very welcoming. Uh, it had a theater program. It the theater had burned down a year before I got there, so oh. um, wow. I applied and I was I was invited, even though it was an, a state school. I was I was uh, I was accepted. And uh, and I went all the way to Williamsburg, Virginia, to school from Portland, Maine, and it and my life began then. <laughs> it, it, my independence began yeah. then, and um, I auditioned for the first play of the summer of the season, just you know, just as, as the fall was beginning, the end of summer, yeah. and it and it was um, and it was uh, Dial M for Murder, <laughs> oh, and. Wow. Uh, I walked into this basement theater, a tiny theater where the classes were given, some classes were given because they had no theater anymore. The year before I got there, there had been a big football scandal and the theater burned down, so it was a real hot place to go to school. <laughs> That's a co ed yeah, school know for what you. you were getting into. But uh, I auditioned for it and I got the role, and uh, they, uh, they told me that I was the first freshman to get a lead role in 15 years. They just never gave lead roles Ooh. to freshmen. And they wow. put me on the cover of the uh, of the newspaper, of the okay. school paper. Which, yep, okay. So that was it. I was uh, I was established, and I'd been there, you know, for a week. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, it was like I was living this charmed life. I was going to be a success in and in ever in the theater. And I, I tell you, it just it made my my life mm. uh, that school and that education. Mm. Not, not only because I was. I was uh, so appreciated right off the bat, but that had a lot to do with it. But because the education was wonderful, I did everything you could do to learn every aspect of theater. And also you could stay out till 11 o'clock if you were involved in the theater. So you wanted to work uh, props if you weren't in the play. Yeah. But I, I always wanted to be in the play. And there was a varsity show every year, too, which was uh, general, not, not not involved in the theater department. So huh. everybody auditioned for that that could walk or talk or sing or, you know, move. Yeah. And, um, and I got into that every year and I got starring roles and I got lead roles and I got, I, I was, I, I got an acceptance um, that was, um, you know, that I had dreamed about. I played wonderful roles. I played, when we finally, they finally rebuilt the theater. <laughs> Um, my the end of my sophomore year, and I was cast as Juliet, and we opened the theater with Romeo and Juliet, oh, and that wow. theater is still there. It's Phi Beta Kappa Hall at William and Mary, oh. and 
and my performance and, and the production I, I played Juliet in was the opening of that beautiful theater where mm. I have now gone to visit and given master classes. <laughs> and the theater looks, you know, it's a, it's, I think it's a 500, I don't know, five, 1500,000. It's a beautiful theater, which mm. had a, an, an Eisenhower board. Nobody had done computer work with lighting before. And we were all learning about how to do this, but <laughs> oh, I yeah. was Juliet and, uh, and I played Dolly Levi and the matchmaker oh. and, um, and, and, and Rosa and summer and smoke. And it, a, a wonderful range of, of characters was bestowed on me so that, by the time I graduated, I was ready to get to New York and be, you know, on Broadway. Well, it was a big surprise to me that I didn't get right to Broadway when I got to New York, you know, because I had had such success at William and Mary. But those were, I got there in 1960. Mm -hmm. And before that, after I graduated in three and a half years, I couldn't wait to get out of college. I really didn't want to go to college. My mother wanted me to go to college. <laughs> And I, I wanted to get to New York sooner than later. But mm -hmm. when I finally did get there after a, uh, a season at the Charles Playhouse in Boston with Olympia Dukakis, oh. and she and I moved to New York together, and we were roommates oh. for our first year in New York together. Wow. Did, did, and, um, did you have I your equity did, card? I did, I did uh, because after my freshman year at William & Mary, I went to visit some friends in New Jersey, and they said, you know, there's a summer theater. I mean, this is the way crazy things happen. <laughs> this is my story. You know, I don't know what happens for other people, and I swear I don't know how anybody gets started today. But I, I went to visit Sam and Sarah Rosenberg in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and they said... We have a friend who's building a theater. He's in construction, and he's building a, a summer theater here. It's a tent, and it's a Sinjin Terrell uh, tent. And Sinjin Terrell had two or three um, music tents in that area in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And they said, uh, why don't you go over? And I went over, and it was a construction site. <laughs> and, you know, there was a guy in a in a, in a little uh, booth uh, with a phone, and uh, he was... You know, he was the contractor, and I said, I I is there a, a theater? And he said, well, not yet, but, uh, you know, it's a construction. So for some reason, he got me in touch with the – he said he had a list of people who were going to be coming to, to do work there. And he got me in touch with the musical director who's – he had a list, and the musical director was Milton Rosenstock. Oh, my goodness. And Milton Rosenstock was one of the great oh, musical directors. Top. yeah. You know who he was. Oh yeah. He, he had he had he had conducted Ethel Merman and Gypsy. Yeah. And he had just um, he had uh, so he was just about to take over this theater, and uh, I had a phone number, and I called him, and he said, well, "Why don't you come over?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm in Cherry Hill, New Jersey." He said, "We'll take a bus," <laughs> and so I did, and I got to his apartment, and all the time I'm thinking. You don't go to somebody's apartment. You, what are you nuts? Right. You know, and I, uh, I was uh, twenty. Uh, wow. at, no, I'm sorry, I was eighteen. It was oh I was It was the it was the year after my freshman. And I got to this to his studio, his apartment. This huge man, bigger than life. He had a pianist there. He put a piece. I brought a piece of music. My favorite piece at that point was uh, almost like being in love. Perfect. And, I sang for him, and then he put a piece of music on the piano. He said, can you read? And I said, sure. And I read, 
because I had studied piano. You know, my mother's yeah. dream for me was to be a concert pianist, oh but I hated it. I oh. hated practicing. Yeah. And I sang for him, and I read for him, and he said, you got the job. What, what song did you sing? I sang, I don't know what I read, but I sang almost like being in love. Oh, my goodness. And then he put a piece of music on the, on the, on the piano and said, read this, and I did, wow. and sang it cold. <clears throat> and so, of course, he hired me to be in the chorus. So there were eight singers and eight dancers. Wow. Boys and girls. And I they had the contracts on the piano. I mean, this was like this was like all the movies I had seen. You know, <laughs> it was totally like, okay, if you want to be in show business, all you have to do is show up and sing really well and read and and be cute and fun and funny and friendly and yeah. be talented and be yourself and be hopeful and I was all those things, and I wandered around the streets till I got to the bus station again to, you know, whatever the name of that is on 8th Avenue. Mm -hmm. Why have I blacked that out? <laughs> and, um, and, 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 and I got back to New Jersey with a contract in my hand. I said, I got the job. Wow. And, you know, I thought, this is going to be a snap. I am, I'm headed for... So by the time I finished school, and of course I went back to college after that summer, and we did 10 shows in 10 weeks. Those were the days when you were a resident chorus. Mm -hmm. You were 18 years old, and you did everything from Annie Get Your Gun to Plain and Fancy to The King and I to uh, to uh, Guys and Dolls. Mm. You, were, you were doing one show at night and rehearsing another show during the day. Yeah. And Milton left... We opened with Plain and Fancy, and I still see him in the pit conducting as I ran on stage to belt my ass off, yeah. you know, just, and he got such pleasure out of me. I was his, I was his baby, you mm -hmm. know, and yeah. when he, when Milton finally came to see me, when I took over for Tyne and did Gypsy and played Mama Rose and Gypsy on Broadway yeah. in, you know, in 1990. Milton, I, you know, I wrote to him and I called him and I said, I want you to come. And he came, he walked in that door and, you know, 30 years yeah. came up for me. And I just, I just dissolved. Yeah. I just, I, I, I just couldn't stop crying. He said, what's wrong? I said, nothing's wrong. This is all, <laughs> this is just you and me. Right. And look what, look what you did for me. Yeah, that's special. That's really special. It was very special because yeah. I went on to do summer theater after that. And I played Gypsy with Margaret Whiting oh, oh, at, the, at the Beverly Music Theater in Massachusetts after I graduated college. I know. Maggie Whiting played Mama Rose, and she was great. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, it's kind of like talking about somebody else when I talk about myself, because it really is lifetimes ago. But yeah. So that was my beginning. I went back to college after that first summer, got my equity card. That answers your question, finally. <laughs> no, good. And went back and... Um, what, what was the Compass Players? I was never in the Compass Players. That's Linda Siegel, and I'm confused with her all the time. Oh, my I goodness. Never, wow. we got to get that erased from your... From your yeah, uh, you do. It's never tr been true, and I don't know who put it in there and just keeps showing up. Oh, my God. We're going to get rid of that. I did a road company of Second City mm -hmm. with Valerie Harper and, and uh -huh. Dick Shaw. 
and I worked with uh, Paul Sills later uh, mm-hmm. on Broadway when I replaced Valerie in Story Theater. But I have never been a member of, uh, and David Steinberg also was in that Right, tour, right, right. Second I was curious how you ended up in Chicago out of nowhere. That didn't make sense. So then how did you eventually get to New York? I, but, you know, by bus. I mean, I, just, I mean to live permanently. I all week, folks. Well, you know, I went to, my parents had moved from Maine to Boston. I joined the Charles Playhouse as a, a small bit player. They took me to Edgartown on Martha's Vineyard with them for the summer, and I played all the ingenue parts. And then they were all moving to New York the following that that fall. And mm-hmm. Olympia said, "You want a room with me?" And I said, "Yes." So we all went to New York, you know, in some caravan of some sort. And she and I roomed together in terrible rooms and apartments oh, that yeah. we could afford because we were all working at Bloomingdale's mm-hmm. and uh, and auditioning during the day when we could. I finally went into market research because it freed me up more for auditions. But the only huh. auditions I could get to were chorus calls because I had my equity card, but you could not get a reading for a play unless you had an agent. And I did not have an agent. So you just went to open calls. Huh? You went to open calls then as much as I you could. I went to open equity calls. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And I got into finally, you know, I did a lot of off-Broadway reviews. I mean by that a lot, a few, but they only lasted a night or a week. They were, in those days, they were, they were plentiful. You know, there yeah. was a review being written by some group of comedy writers all the time. And like so at the upstairs, downstairs, or is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah. Well, these, that these were not even that they okay. were just off Broadway, and um, there were there was there were a review that I was in called Fourth uh, Avenue North. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a review called Harry Stoons, another evening with Harry Stoons, and I was auditioning for um, with Diana Sands, who was going to play the lead, and I would have been the second lead. But then this girl came along named Barbara Streisand, and she got oh. the part. Oh. <laughs> And I got into another review called Another Evening with Harry Stoons, which was a good title, but not a very good show. And (laughs) Diana Sands brought this little girl named Barbara Streisand to see me because I had auditioned for that other show so much that Diana and I became friends. And she brought this kid over to see me in previews. And, um, uh, and, And I was already you know, just upset that I didn't get into that show and mm-hmm. this kid got into that show and then she became Barbara Streisand right. and my, my show opened and I, and I said, God, Diana, it's not very good. You know, it's not very good. And uh, it opened and, and the review the next day, and there were seven newspapers when I came to New York, yes. uh, unlike what there are now, right. it's just three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the review, one of the reviews said, a show opened last night called 7th Avenue North. There is no such place, and in 4th Avenue North, there is no such place, and in the interest of all those concerned, we will we will pretend there was no such show. Oh, and oh. I thought, well, I'll just, you know, yeah. be here with my head in the oven. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, it, it was that kind of rejection that starts really early and all you do is go to auditions you have a great big tote bag and all your music and you just go from one to another and then you go to your job at market research right and you go back home to your five flight walk up and you 
hope for the best and you don't and you learn how not to take it personally right but that takes work because it feels so personal because it's who you are yeah yeah and everybody says don't take it personally but you think how can i not it's me there and then but you know i always showed up with terrific energy and pipes that i mean i could sing what were some of the songs that you sang for auditions other than almost like being in love almost like being in love yep that was it uh, you know, I worked with a coach, and he gave me other songs, and uh, I, you know, I sang uh, whatever, whatever I worked on. Uh, but, 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 you know, I, I loved doing uh, almost like being because it, it had a range and had a, a key change that was dynamic and fun, yeah. and it was familiar. Right. And I could also, because I could read, I could do cold readings too. Mm, of, right. You know, if they threw a song at me. Right. So you know, finally, just to cut to the chase, I got into a family affair, which right. was a, cor- a chorus job, and um, it took about three weeks of auditions. They were really honing people. And uh, they finally got us all on stage on the theater that they were going to, you know, they would, you, you, you auditioned in theaters sometimes in those days where you're, if they owned a theater or they were doing a show and, or if they were renting a theater, you, you know, you'd start in an audition room and then you'd actually go into a theater. And for the final, my mother was in the audience and she was so excited. And afterwards she said, oh, she told me all the things they were saying about me. And I got the job. Wait, how did I she went, get in the I'm just so confused. Oh, please. I mean, it's like, how did you get apart from taking a bus to go see a guy in a <laughs> it's like So your mom just know? like popped into the, oh, because she's kind of fancy well, too. Yeah. But she just you know, like popped in. Could. Wow. She just sat there in her coat, you know, and. <laughs> But with a bunch of other people, she sat further back. Nobody yeah, asked her who she was. Oh my goodness! And 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 it was just, you know, it was those those were the days yeah. when, as hard as it was, right? There were there were auditions to go to, mm-hmm. and there were no no restrictions. I mean, I stood in line to get into those auditions. You just didn't go right to the front door. Right, right, right. So. I got into the show. It went. It went into rehearsal, and then it went to Philadelphia. And the director did not work out, and they hired a young man named Hal Prince mm-hmm. to come in and direct the show. Wow! I was standing at a payphone. We had done the show. We were all, we were performing in Philly at the Schubert, and he walked in this dynamo. And uh, he saw me at the payphone, and he was on his way on stage, and he pointed at me, and with all this energy that he had, he said, you're terrific, I'll see you later. Oh. oh. And uh, the next thing I knew, he gave me four or five speaking parts, and in those days, you got $5 uh, for each speaking part that took you out of the chorus. I didn't know that. So I was making a fortune, <laughs> and I was I was acting. Yeah. Yeah. And it was 1960, two. 61, two, okay. something like mm-hmm. that. Yep. And we went, he took over the show. We went to New York. It was a flop. But um, it was written by John Kander, who was working with the Goldman Brothers, William, who just died last week, and right. James. Right, right. And, uh, and it was a lovely score. And it was Larry Kurt, mm-hmm. Eileen Heckert, Morris Karnofsky, Rita Gardner. And um, and Shelley Berman. Yeah. 
uh, and uh, my friend Catherine Damon, who was uh, the leading uh, uh, soubrette, and she and I became very good friends, and we worked together in Hollywood years later on a Hal Linden show, and she became the star of a, so- a, a show called Soap. Um, but we started, you know, that started my career in musicals on Broadway. Hey, podcast listeners, are you looking for a place to rehearse in New York City that is clean, spacious, and most importantly, affordable? Come check out Shetler Studios and Theaters, our wonderful host for these podcasts. Shetler is centrally located on West 54th Street between Broadway and 8th Avenue, right in the heart of the theater district. Right in the heart, you'll find music, dance, and acting studios, complemented by two black box theaters and six presentation venues. The professional facilities, inspired environment, and expert industry staff combined to provide the New York artist with an unparalleled studio experience. Visit their website at shetlerstudios.com. That's S-H-E-T-L-E-R studios.com. Shetler Studios and Theaters is our home for recording the legends of Broadway, and we hope that you make it your artistic home too. That's Shetler, S-H-E-T-L-E-R studios.com. See you here. I then, I then got into... Um... A couple of years later, I auditioned for and got into the Mad Show, and that yes. was 1964-65, the winter of, mm-hmm. and that catapulted me because that was put me on the front page of the New York Times. Oh. Stanley Kaufman wrote a piece, yeah. and I have the copy of it. Of course, it's a yellow piece of newspaper now, but it, <laughs> it said it's it, the the title was "Not in Lights Yet, but Very Bright." Oh, oh wow. Dustin Hoffman and Zoe Caldwell and mm-hmm. and me and it, that was from the Mad Show from doing sketches and songs and I was a sketch performer I was a review performer right right that that's how I honed my skills was all those things that didn't last but one or two nights and the Mad Show was a huge success I had done something called um, in '61 I guess I had done the Gershwin revival, because the man who directed me oh, in okay. Summer Stock, yes, okay, and Burt Yarborough was the director of that summer, that that first summer when I got that job in yeah. New Jersey, Yeah, and he was the one director who directed the whole season, and he sent me back to college, I was all of 18, and he said, learn how to channel your energies, and I had no idea what he meant, mm. and I don't think I've still channeled them, I don't know, <laughs> I I think I have, but mm, I I've, think so. I've, I've learned to focus, but I mean, I didn't know what he meant at the time. I didn't know how to go about it, but it, I always believed that work brought work. And that's what I say to young people now mm, when yeah. they ask for advice. Right. I don't right. give advice, but I just give my experience. Yeah. I share my experience and with that, the strength and the hope of it, that you take whatever isn't morally reprehensible to you and you work. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You make connections. Yeah. Hopefully, you get the experience. Hopefully, it leads to the next thing. I mean, there were lots of areas of time of, of unemployment, and it, it wasn't a straight tra- trajectory. Of course, of course, yeah. It still isn't. Right. I mean, I'm in a time now waiting for a series I've just done recently called The Santa Clarita Diet, and and uh, I did four episodes of that and one episode of Brockmire with Hank Azaria, and I've got the Nancy Drew movie coming out on March 10th. And so I'm in a period of just waiting to see if 
any of that brings mm. more work for me, mm-hmm. you know, or if that's the end of the line, you know, as a performer, that's what you think. Yeah. We've heard that a lot from other people. I, yeah. I bet you have. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of every job ends. And so you have to. There's no continuum yeah, guarantee right. here. Just the relationships. Right. Just the relationships. Yeah. L- Linda, I'd love to ask you a little bit about your process, if that's okay. Um, so you sign on to play a role. or You agree to play a role. How do you begin your preparation? Well, it depends on the material, doesn't it? I I take a role now because the material has moved me while I'm reading it. It has moved me to read it out loud from the jump off the page with it. And, And so I prepare by... by doing the discovery by discovery. By, by the collaborative process of being in the room. I love doing plays with living writers. I love their being in the room. Mm. Um, because there's a possibility of change and growth. With, mm. a, with a dead writer, you've got what you've got, and the challenge is to make work what was written. Yeah. With a living writer, that may still be the way it's going to be, but there's always the 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 um the gesture of collaboration and 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 so the process for me is pretty much um you know instinctive along with the skills and the technique that seem to change with the demand of every character uh i work from the outside sometimes with the look Mm -hmm. I, I work in rehearsal with uh, a pieces of costume, with props, with behavior, with gives me behavior mm-hmm. because I believe that for me the strongest part of my uh, skill set is behavior, mm-hmm. and, and that it's about what the character is doing in order to get what she wants and needs, mm-hmm. and and to express who she is. Um, the internal work work. work um, you know, comes through the process of uh, discovery in 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 the moment, learning the part, learning the lines, listening to the other actors, uh, uh, examining what the obstacles are, and um, and who she would be if I were she, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and so becomes very personal for me. I never agree with an actor who says they hide behind a mask. Uh, that that's not how I work. Mm-hmm. I I don't. They certainly have that right, but that's not my method. My uh, my approach is to express who I am and unmask myself. Yeah. And Linda, what do you look for out of a director? What is the ideal director actor relationship? Knowing that you are a director as well, you know, uh, if I ask for help, I I mean I I want the director to um, uh, to be willing to uh, articulate uh, a vision that gives me a sense of place, a sense of purpose, um, a sense of belonging and encouragement and a sense of inspiration to connect with uh, the material. As I say, if the writer is there, uh, that collaboration is very important because the writer hears something. You know, there was there was nobody more agreeable or flexible than Neil Simon. Mm-hmm. Neil Simon sat at the table when we read Broadway bound for the first time. Mm-hmm. 
And I was only in the first act of that play. Mm. And I saw him hand a note. You can look this up. When Gene Sachs died, Michael Riedel wrote about it. Oh. Gene Sachs wrote and started writing a note on yellow legal pad wrote and sent it down the table to Manny. And before it got to Manny, Manny sent him a note on legal pad that said, don't worry, I know how to fix it. (laughs) And and Neil came up to me after that reading and he said, I'm going to write you a a monologue for the second act. And I was dumbfounded, and I said, well, sure, yeah. Why? Uh, what, what am I here for? I remember <laughs> saying that to him. And I had no idea. He said, I want to see her when she was happy. I remember that. Wow. And that night, something like, I don't know, 12, 19, 100 pages was delivered to me. It felt like 100 pages. Yeah. It was the monologue where she tells her son what it was like to be 16 years old and dance with George Raft. Mm. And it was the monologue that turned my life around and, yeah. and got me that recognition yeah, and that the Tony. Tony and, yeah. You know, and people just, ident- I mean, the identification of that story is still comes to me mm-hmm. and, and it gave me the behavior that woman was cleaning the dining room table. That's what he wrote. The thing about Neil Simon was, not only did he write that for me and do away with his second act and rewrite the second act, but he would sit in the room, and if something didn't work, he was so facile and so willing and so, you know, challenged himself to change things that you'd say, no, 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 wait, give me another chance, and he'd say, no, it's not you, it's me, it's got to change. And so that's what you look for in a writer and a director. You look for the collaboration that allows, that's what I look for. Let me use that mm-hmm. pronoun. Yeah, yeah. What I look for is the, uh, the, the chance to, to show you what I've got and to let you then say, how about, I mean, there was nothing better, no one better than that, than, at that, than Neil Simon, uh, than, uh, than, um, uh, yeah, Mike Nichols, who oh. who would who would to who you gave what you got, mm-hmm. what you had, and he would say that's very nice. Now, how about if? And all his corrective sentences would begin with that. Mm-hmm. So, so you never got shame for what you'd done. You never were embarrassed. You were never put down. I never was, mm-hmm. but I was always encouraged to try what inspired him to open up the possibilities. Yeah. And and that's what I look for is the fun of examination and ex- exploration and possibilities. Yes. And is it the same when you're directing and when you're leading a rehearsal room? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because that's how I've learned. I've learned from the best of them and the worst of them. Yeah. Is, you know, Joe Chaikin used to say, don't squelch an actor in mid-sentence. Don't decide you've got the, you know, you've got the cure here. Listen and watch and Mm. let them get through the impulse because to squelch an impulse, it'll never come back. And you may get something from it. And Paul Sills used to say, wow, there's no such thing as freezing the moment. You mustn't try to freeze the moment because what if something better comes along? Mm. Mm -hmm. And you know, you didn't learn that in school. You learned, okay, that's it. Keep that. There is, yeah. And and there are directors even in the professional world who want you to keep it. And you go, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Because you were in the moment and part of your unconscious was really working. Yeah. 
and what you what I love from a director and Mark uh, Brokaw is really good at this. He remembers what you did, <laughs> so he can say, "Oh, you did such and such," and you're like, "Oh yeah, really? Okay, well, <laughs> let's go to that and then see what comes out of it." So I really hope that as a director myself, what I um, encouraged actors to do was to um, explore their impulses, their instincts, and to develop their, their skill in that way of connecting with and becoming the, the person they want to be. And that, that, for me, is becoming the person I want to be in the, as that character. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I show you who I am through that character. I don't say I'm hiding behind her. Right. But... But she is me in that situation. And then she becomes specifically, you know, what's written for sure. But if I'm doing it, it's going to be different from Barbara Streisand or, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, anybody. Yeah. Anybody. Um, I'm not, I can't think of anybody's name right now. But, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, there, there are actors who, who, who take over a part. There, the way Tyne Daly did Gypsy was Tyne Daly's Gypsy. Right, right. Uh, you know, so was Ethel Merman, so is Bernadette, so is, uh, you know, so is Valerie Harper's uh, uh, Marjorie Taub when she took over for me. And that's what makes, that's what makes theater so interesting, yeah. is that you can go back and see, you know, Joan Rivers took over for me at, at a certain point, and so did Franny Sternhagen in, in, uh, in Broadway Bound. Mm-hmm. And, and that becomes a whole other, you can't say there's one way of doing something, not when you're inviting uh, another human being to step into those shoes. Brilliant. Mm. And then what do you look for out of a scene partner? Uh, I, I look for the, the same thing I look for out of a partner in life, mm. and that's somebody who's sympathetic and caring and willing to listen and be present and and, and, and play and, and, and help uh help me be at ease and let me help them be at ease and and, and admit their fear mm. you know Mike Nichols said the greatest thing to me when I was playing um I was playing that uh, uh, um, Lillian Hellman in, in, off Broadway um it was called cakewalk oh mm-hmm Mike Nichols came in in North Carolina. We were trying it out in uh, in North Carolina and uh, wasn't going well. The director also wasn't working out. So he came on and it was just the greatest thing of my life to finally work with him. And we were in previews. We moved to New York. We were in the theater. And I, that afternoon, I said to him, God, I'm so, I'm so nervous at the beginning of this play. I'm I have such fear. I'm so uncomfortable. And he said, honey, fear is your friend. And I said, what? No one had ever said that to me. Right, right. You know, most people say, oh, don't be nervous. And oh, no, you're not. And it's all about denial. And, And he said, I said, say that again. And he said, fear is your friend. Take it with you. Take it on stage with you. It's part of who you are. It's okay. It fills me with such, such emotion to tell you this. Yeah. Because I still do that. Yeah. That's such a good I still lesson. do that. Isn't it? It's oh, a blessing yeah. it's that, that piece of, 
that so when you say what do you expect from a director i don't even know what to expect i get surprised all the time with something like that <laughs> yeah you know yeah, that's yeah. a gift that's a gift from god yeah. that's a man who says to you you are enough yeah yeah so true. and you and it's okay for you to be up there scared because you are enough you know your lines you're in the moment if you forget your lines you'll make something up you'll be okay yeah wow you know and it was it was it changed my life and now i do a nightclub act as mm-hmm. you probably know and yeah. i do it all over the country yeah. i'm going about to do it on a cruise in Ooh. 2 weeks yeah yep and and i just finished a three city tour you know and my husband is my drummer and billy stritch is my musical director oh that's a good team <laughs> we're going to p town this summer again to work the crown and anchor and yeah, yeah and i mean i love it but i remember being backstage a few years ago and, and there was a stage manager, a total stranger, and they were introducing me from the stage. Orchestra was there, and the band, and audience, and mm-hmm. standing in the wings, and I say to this total stranger, oh my God, why do I do this? Tell me why I do this. <laughs> and, and this total stranger, this young woman says to me, You'll know in five minutes. Oh, oh wow. My God. Isn't that the sweetest? Yes. And she was right. Of course. (laughs) Of course. And I came off and thanked her, and she's part of me now. Yes, Mm. indeed. You'll know in five minutes. It's about doing it. It's not about anticipating it. so true. Because that can kill you. It's so true. That is so so true, true, Linda. Wow. It it really is. Well, you guys seem to understand a lot about this. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, we're very lucky. We've gotten a chance to speak to so many great artists like yourself who have infused us with so much wisdom. Um, and all of these uh, conversations are always life-changing. And we do it as well. I'm a music director, and Rob's a director, so we speak the same language, too. So it's um, we, we yeah. definitely can relate. And I, I, what you're saying is just so I, – I want my students to all hear it, too, because it's just such important information. It really is. Oh, I'm so glad. Then, Linda, if, I'm so glad. If, you're, yeah. if you're willing, we would love to – we'll arrange this in a couple of weeks, but we'd love to do a part two and ask you more about Catherine Damon and – Jack Cassidy yeah. and, and all those oh wonderful Oh, my God. Folks. That would be great. Amazing. Linda, thank you so much. This has been so inspirational. Well, thank you. You've got me talking about stuff I I never realized I have a story until yeah. somebody is interested. And and it, it moves me very much that you are. So thank Us you too. for including me. Thank all you. Right. We're always we'll interested. Yeah. Take care. Thank you. All Bye-bye. right. Bye. Today's episode was recorded at Shetler Studios on 244 West 54th Street. Visit Shetler Studios to book your room today, and you could be as cool as us. That's S-H-E-T-L-E-R studios.com. And a big thanks to our sound editor, Daniel Schwartzberg, and social media manager, Bethany Ann Selecki. And friends, don't forget, we want more folks to hear these incredible stories, and that's where you guys can come in and help us out. Yes, in order for people to find out about us, we need lots of ratings on iTunes. The more ratings... Ratings, the more they'll come up in searches. So head on over to iTunes, search for Behind the Curtain Broadway's Living Legends, click on our logo, click on Ratings and Reviews, then write a review and leave us five stars and make us feel as special as Eliza Doolittle on Eliza Doolittle Day. Or you can leave us one star and make us feel as bad as Annie did in that weird production in Boston where Annie dreamed about being adopted and then ended the show back in the orphanage. True story, Rob was there. I saw it. So head on over to iTunes and make us feel even more special than we already do.
ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.